Welcome back to the Irish Bears show. It is great to be back. We're going to be here talking a lot of Bears football here. Rookie minicamp. I am joined by one of our co-hosts, Seth, and I'm going to bring him into the stream now. Seth, how are you doing, my friend? Doing well. It is a beautiful day out after numerous days of rain and uh, garbage overcast weather. Yeah, look, it's great to have the guys that we're going to be introducing here onto the show. We've had them a couple times on the show enjoy all the work that they do over on NBC Sports Chicago. So I'm going to bring each one of them in individually first. Uh, first with one of our uh, good friends, Alex Shapiro. Alex, it's been a while since we've spoken last, probably just towards the end of the season. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having us again. Pleasure as always joining you lads. Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to bring the next guy in and got to talk to him for a couple of minutes during the draft and, it was probably craziness for you for you those couple of days, Josh. You yep. uh, you had a, a long old slog, like probably most people talking and kind of covering the draft. Have you got some rest over the last <laughs> week or so? <laughs> uh, a, a little, a little, a little. I think that'll come after tomorrow. But uh, happy happy to be back. It's always a pleasure. And finally, last but not least, our good friend Kenneth Davis. Ken, how are you doing, my friend? I'm well. How are you all doing? Nice to be back. All good, all good. It's uh, it's good to be back and actually talk about kind of football on the horizon where we actually get to look at. I know it's not kind of real until we get to some of these games, but at least it's not just constantly digging in on potential Bears players. Now we actually get to go and talk about and for other people complain about guys that the Bears do have now. So look, before we get into kind of rookie camp, what we heard from some of these guys and um, what we heard from the coaches, I just want to kind of leave it up to, to you guys. And now that it's been a week after the draft, what is your opinion on what the Bears were able to do? I know there was a lot of talk about the whole Jalen Carter versus Darnell Wright, but then also adding two defensive tackles, some good offensive pieces as well on day three. So, look, Alex, I'll come to you first. Um, overall, this draft class, what were you most impressed about that the Bears were able to accomplish and was there anything that maybe after the draft you were like, mm, maybe they could have gone in this direction? Well, I think what's most impressive is that they just, I don't know, took the, it's maybe not sexy, but they, they did what I think everybody thought was the right thing in taking an offensive tackle and taking Darnell Wright, who is going to be a plug-and-play player in week one, you know, there's a lot of talk about all these upside prospects with Paris Johnson, you know, ceiling unbelievable with that guy, but is he NFL ready or players like Lucas Van Ness, where again, it's projection. There's a lot of traits that a lot of people love, but is maybe he, is he a little bit more of a project? And instead of picking one of those sexy picks, those high upside guys, they got a guy who will come in and make their team, a lot better on day one and will help Justin Fields more importantly on day one. And that's not to say that Darnell Wright is not a high upside guy. He, he has a very high ceiling. It's just that he also has a very high floor. And if you listen to the bears, I mean, the bears believe that not only was he the best tackle today, he will also be the best tackle tomorrow. So, you know, that to me is impressive being disciplined and, and following your board and doing the things that make you a lot better then also being able to get guys like Roshan Johnson and Tyler Scott, who, you know, if you listen to the pundits, if you listen to the whole consensus, a lot of people thought those guys could have gone earlier. And the Bears 
draft who, you know, players that are maybe the best player available, even though they're maybe not necessarily huge positions of need, right? Running back was not a big position of need for this team, but you go and you get a really talented player who fits exactly what you want to do. And when you're rebuilding and your roster is really devoid of talent, you need a lot of talent. I think the best thing to do is just get that best player, even if it's not at a position of need. So again, wide receiver, not a huge position of need. You have DJ Moore, you have Chase Claypool, you have Darnell Mooney. You feel pretty good about those three, but you had another wide receiver just because he's super talented and he's right there for you to select. So those things uh, right off the top impressed me. Yeah, and look, Ken, I wanted to bring you in because uh, after uh, I got maybe two hours sleep of after the first day of the draft, um, I remember at lunchtime I went, start, I listened to your guys' show, and one thing that I kind of I took away from it is when you brought up the Jalen Carter versus the Darnell Wright situation. And I think I was in lockstep with what you were saying where I felt better about it was when the teams like Seattle didn't go for, for yeah. him. I actually thought if I was putting a, obviously the Eagles is kind of a perfect situation, but if it was within that top five or six, I was like, Seattle just seems like that perfect spot where Pete Carroll loves these type of guys where, there may be some red flags, but he feels that they have the culture to be able to fix it. When I saw that they weren't going to do that, and I, I love their pick anyway, you see Detroit moving back. When you heard everything about the Bears moving back, I'm like, makes sense. There's definitely something here that some of these teams don't like. So kind of thinking about this a, a week after the fact, are you still in the same kind of mindset that yes. this was the right decision? And it was just so important that you need to get that offensive tackle. And it doesn't matter what Jalen Carter does now. As long as Darnell Wright is a success, then this first round is a success for Ryan Pulse. I just hope that five years from now, and we've talked about this on the show, we don't lose the context of Jalen Carter being drafted by the Eagles. As, as you said, Seren, it's the best situation, period. Because And also, this is another thing with the Eagles. If he fails, it's it's not going to stop Doesn't them matter. from going to get to another Super Bowl. You know, like, yeah. that's how that's how many defenders they have on that defensive line. They can withstand him being a bust. Like, you know, like, you know how hard that is to draft a player that you really need, and if he's a bust, it doesn't really stop the show? Like, they, they can do that. But what I was saying, as you just mentioned, was even though I coveted him because the defensive line is still a problem here in Chicago. Yeah. Um, I, I saw Dylan, I believe, mention that he hopes that uh, Dexter is phenomenal. I damn sure hope he's phenomenal. But <laughs> you had a you had a guy that maybe didn't have a high motor when it comes to Jalen Carter, but you knew physically he can be dominant. Like there's no question whatsoever that there will be some NFL games. He will just destroy what the offense, what the offensive scheme is, because they can't stop him. But when you when you're Ryan Poles and you're doing a self analyzation of your organization, you have to be honest. And if you don't think that this young roster can take him on, and one he can benefit you, but you can benefit him. If it doesn't match, it doesn't match, and it helps that, like you said, Pete Carroll, someone who's had players where some people may look at them as being somewhat difficult shot away from him to say, you know what, the, the, the Lions, Dan Campbell, didn't want any parts of him, right? They He's building the culture, and he doesn't want to bring that player in because that player may sabotage that culture. When you see – or this is the last part. No one else gave the Bears a tantalizing deal to move off of nine. 
So it's it's not even just the teams that are right there in the top 10. Nobody in, let's just say, the top 13, 14 was like, yo, we could get Carter. Here's a second. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, yeah. no one did that. And it's telling you the league themselves did their due diligence and for the most part was like, yo, he falls to like 15 or 20. Yeah, we may take him, but I'm not moving up and giving you any type of asset to take him. And I think Ryan Pose did the right thing. And even if Jalen Carter's a Hall of Famer, Bears fans can't necessarily say, well, if he was here, he would be a Hall of Famer too, because you don't have the front office yet that the Eagles have, and you don't have the players that you would hope, one, can withstand if he fails, but can maybe help him and benefit him to be a Hall of Fame player in the future. You don't have that just yet, in my opinion, uh, when you're looking at the Bears roster. Yeah, and, and Josh, kind of, we, we spoke a little bit about the, the offensive players when, when you came on the show over draft weekend, but one thing that I think a lot of people do fail to mention because the Bears did get their offensive tackle is if they did go in the direction of defense in round one, what would we be saying right now about this offensive line? Because you saw how quickly those offensive tackles went. And realistically, when you look at the guys that went in the second round, like even Bergeron has, like the Falcons have already said, they're probably going to play him at guard. I think mm. we'd be in a very precarious situation right now if if they didn't go for a guy like Darnell Wright. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I think we talked about that for weeks before the draft. That's why I was so high on tackle and especially Darnell Wright, because it was like, once the tackle run started, you knew it was going to go. Like they're, all four were going to go, and then Anton Harrison was going to go. He went like at, I think like 20, 23, 24. And after that, like there was such a huge gap between starting caliber tackles and guys who are either projects or might be guards or might never see the field. Like, did you want to draft Jalen Duncan and be like, hey, Justin, I know it's a big year for your NFL career, and we got this guy who isn't really good, but it's something, right? Like that just didn't make a lot of sense. Um, and I mean, I, I've, I've been high on the Darnell Wright train, uh, for a long time. Uh, I think Alex, Alex put it pretty well, right? He's, he's plug and play. Um, I think, think with, the thing with Paris Johnson was he's a good run blocker. He's got a lot of work to do in pass protection. The bears were not going to take that kind of gamble. Darnell Wright's the best pass protector of the four. Um, and he's got a super high ceiling. And, you know, we talked to Chris Morgan at rookie minicamp and all the talk was like the game moves so slow for this guy already. We're not worried about where he is mentally it's just can he learn the verbiage can he can he digest things in the huddle and and understand that it's not tennessee anymore we're not checking at the line you're gonna get two three four play calls in the huddle and then when we get to the line we're gonna call it out and you're gonna have to be able to retain that and and you know recall that um they're very excited about him i you know it's it's a flag i planted a while ago just started hearing things they were interested i thought it was going to be a trade back you know to the 15 16 range but then you kind of started hearing okay, no, like the tackles are going to be gone and they were gone by 14, right? So to Ken's point, like there might've been a team in the 17, 18 range who wanted Jalen Carter, but Ryan Pulse wasn't going to take that gamble, right? Because he knows if he moves back, he's not getting his tackle anyway. So what's the point? Um, So I think overall the Jalen Carter, Darnell Wright thing was perfectly played by Ryan Pulse. I think it became pretty clear Tuesday before the draft when Ian Cunningham talked to us about Jalen Carter that the Bears – we're not in on him, right? He was asked, you know, hey, when you met with Jalen a couple of times, what did you get to, what was what was he like as a person? It was like, well, Jalen Carter is a great player. And what you learn is, and he pauses, like he's a great player, really disruptive and just describe him as a player. And you were like, oh, okay. So they, they, they were not interested in, in what they, in what they found. So um, can, can hit it, right? If Jalen Carter becomes Warren Sapp, it's probably because he was drafted by the Eagles, right? He's not going to be, he probably yeah. might not be Warren Sapp on the Bears. So it's not apples to apples, uh, 
the Bears did right by Justin Fields after not doing right by him last year. And they have to know 100% when the season ends, he's the guy or he's not the guy. And the best way to do that is to get him protection and get him weapons. And they done both of that. Yeah, Seth, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring you in here because the one thing that I've kind of come away with after this draft is that going, especially when you look at the way Ryan was able to maneuver and how he's been able to deal with his first two draft classes. I don't get, I don't go into drafts now being absolutely scared shitless of what my GM is going to do, which is kind of what it was like for years under the last couple of GMs that we had in, in Chicago, I guess with what you've been able to see, obviously in year one, we knew it was kind of like the tear down, but he only had four or so picks at the start of the draft comes away with 11. So he knows how to move back, but also, and then everyone's like, oh, he won't move up. But when he needs to, when he get, like we saw with Tyreek Stevenson, he's able to move up, get the corner that he wants, which it was clear that was one of the guys that they coveted because he was one of the few cornerbacks that was actually brought in for a top 30 visit as well. So that's an interesting kind of point that he has there, but also he knows that, okay, I lost that extra fifth rounder. And what does he do? He moves back and he gets it back again. So he knows how to maneuver in the draft. And now we're coming into a stage where the bears are going to have more draft capital. So before we move on to kind of the rookie camp and stuff, What's kind of your thoughts on how Ryan Pauls has kind of dealt with these first two draft classes? Well, I think what he's able to do in the first one was, you know, relatively magical in terms of taking the amount of picks he had and and walking away with what he's able to walk away with. Have most of those guys hit? We haven't really seen anything from them outside of, you know, some of the some of the defensive players. We don't know what Carter can do. We don't know what Kramer can do. And there's those question marks. But he was able to take a lot of swings when he started with basically nothing. And, and that's pretty impressive. And, and the way he was able to work through this draft, not in just the maneuvering, but like understanding the flow, not only did he see the value in the tackle that he wanted, the next true tackle that was taken was Tyler Steen in the third round. So like, say you wanted to go the Jalen Carter route, he, he weighed the options of, do I take Jalen Carter and Tyler Steen, or do I take Darnell Wright and, and, uh, and Dexter? And mm-hmm. he looked at that comparison too, of like, you know, you know, it, whether or not they, they liked him as a person, you have to look at that option too. And they viewed Dexter as somebody that, you know, fits that kind of DeForest Buckner type that Eberflus wants and fits the scheme, fits the motor, you know, that they're looking for. And then on top of that, get their starting right tackle, who day one could potentially be their best offensive lineman if he if the if the tape translates. And yeah. then beyond that, when you factor in, okay, defensive line was an area of weakness, and he goes and gets two defensive tackles that are pretty damn good in in run support. Yes, they've got you know areas to to improve upon in in terms of get off and and pass rush you know arsenal, but that had more to do with you know, the, the scheme and being in a uh, read and react type scenario, but he goes and gets two guys that can come in and immediately help as a rotational defensive tackle at both one and three and will help against the run. And as we've seen in this defensive scheme, it's not one that they're spending a lot of money on, on pass rushers for look at India over the past you know few years, they weren't going in and spending Khalil Mack type money. And yeah, they were doing what they needed to do. Uh, and, and then they were able to just, you know, move up when they needed to, but still wind up with, you know, about the same amount of picks and set themselves up with future picks too. So he's, you know, realizing, Hey, 
I got to take swings, but you know, trade back when the when the value's there and not be afraid to. And it's calculated. It's professional, and that's something I haven't seen in in quite some time. So it's it's really cool to see that. And then, you know, look at the the overall things of what they brought in in, in the UDFA. They realized where the strengths and weaknesses of this class were as a whole. They had a board and stuck with it. And it's it's nice to to see that without you know reaching or giving away the farm to trade up one spot or something like that. So it's it's cool to see a professional front office. Yeah, and one of the interesting things that you mentioned there is about the D-tackles. And obviously, there's been a lot of people that have kind of criticized the Jervon Dexter pick, some people talking about Zach Pickens. But then I go back and I ask some of the, these same kind of fans, like, well, who did you want at that point to fix the defensive line? Because from where the Bears picked Jervon Dexter, the next defensive tackle that was taken in the entire draft was Zach Pickens. So there was nobody that was in between that they had missed on. I know everybody wanted the kid from Northwestern, but there's a reason he didn't go until day three, right? He was a project that some teams, maybe they didn't see it fitting quite as well. We spoke about it quite a lot on all of our shows because we're like, okay, obviously plays locally, but also maybe wasn't playing in the right position. The traits or kind of the athleticism is off the charts, but that doesn't always translate. And that's kind of some of, I guess the key questions and with that we'll we'll move on to kind of rookie camp because there's only so much you can learn from from this alex and what i like to kind of see is it's kind of your first introduction to these guys like what are they like do we think that they're going to fit kind of the players that we know we know some of the guys personalities but it was actually cool to see some of these guys actually knew each other before Right, like we heard Javon Dexter we, and Zach Pickens met each other at airports, basically telling each other, "Who are you gonna see? Who are you gonna see?" It's those were interesting seeing Tyreek Stevenson and Tyler Scott know each other. Tyler trying to figure out where he knew Tyreek from until realizing that they actually played against each other in the bowl season when he played for Georgia. Um, so it was really interesting to see some of those. But what were some of your kind of key takeaways? I guess more in terms of what we learned about these guys over rookie minicamp weekend. Before I answer that question, I, I want to jump in on the previous topic a little bit. And yeah. it, it's nice to give Ryan Poles his flowers now for getting all these picks. <clears throat> but in my opinion, we can't really assess it until several years down the ro- road because like picks are great. Players are what matter. Like it's yeah. what you do with those picks that matter. If you have 12 draft picks right you're able to maneuver it so you got 12 draft picks but only three of them hit what are we doing here folks you know um and i think a lot there's a lot to be seen before we're ready to say you know what ryan pulls has hit on a lot of guys because for every pick that looks great um early going like a jaquan brisker there's a valus jones in the third round um i think jury is out on Jervon Dexter. You know, you're talking about who who do you want there? I'll bring up one guy who I think could have gone to the Bears instead of Jervon Dexter. Uh, how about Tuli Tuli Pelotu, who went right after him? I know Josh is shaking his head, but I mean that's that's an edge rusher who was incredibly productive in the Pac-12. Um, so he won't let it go. I, he won't, I won't let, let it go. go. He won't. Let All I'm it saying go. is like he, pump he the brakes. You know, pump the brakes. I, I, I was a, I, I was a big I, fan of him too, and bummed bummed with that too. Alex, I heard a rumor that you wanted Jordan Addison in the top ten as well. I did not. <laughs> <laughs> that is big news. He did. He did. <laughs> no. 
Uh, of course, I want all my USC guys. Now, was I was I pounded the table for uh, Andrew Voorhees in the seventh round? You betcha. But uh, <laughs> no, that's neither here nor there. Um, now, bring it back to rookie minicamp. It's interesting that you drew this connection of Jervon Dexter to DeForest Buckner because we obviously obviously know that three technique is so important. And Jervon was telling us about his motor and his upside and his pursuit and all of these things. But interestingly, you know, one of the things Josh and I both noticed at rookie minicamp is that the bears actually had him lined up at nose mm-hmm. more often than not, uh, which is not the DeForest Buckner yeah. position. That is where Zach Pickens was playing most of the time. Now they did switch. They flip flopped where, you know, they would each rep at the other position, but I don't know, Josh, what do you say? It was like 65% of the time it was Pickens at three tech and yeah, at, at, the at nose. Least. And I think, yeah. And I think as, as practice went on, it was pretty much only Pickens. I think the Dexter reps at three tech were at the start. And then as he tired, because he was playing, you know, 50, mm-hmm. 60 snaps, they just stuck him in nose. Mm-hmm. I think 65, 70 is probably where it was for Pickens. Yeah. Now caveat day two, it was incredibly hard to see. They had the team on a far field from where we were. So yeah, they might, line might up as well up. have been in Indiana. I don't know. Where <laughs> they kind of have us lined up on the sidelines. And then there's one field that's right in front of us where we can see where we can hear it. That is awesome. And then there's a far field where you can like kind of see what's going on in the secondary. You can kind of see what's going on on the outside towards you. But other than that, it's, it's difficult to see. So maybe things were different on Saturday, but at least Friday, that's how things shook out. Um, but one thing that really struck me, and again, this is something we've talked about on Under Center, was Tyreek Stevenson. This guy, you know, they were really high on him. Uh, as you mentioned, they they traded up to get this guy, and he has all the traits, right? He fits everything that the Bears were looking for in terms of traits, guys. He's long. He's big. He can. He has things you can't teach because that is just – that's his God-given body and his God-given ability, right? Um, but there were questions about how he would play in zone coverage because he has all this press man tape, and it seems like he's a press man cornerback. And he he did those things, right? When he was playing man coverage, he was sticky. He didn't lose a single rep that I saw. Um, and then in zone, he was equally impressive. It was like, oh, okay. Let's see what he can do here. Oh, he's doing incredible. Where his eyes, to me, were in the right place. Uh, again, he showed this knack of, oh, I'm going to leave this guy because the play's going over here, and I'm going to be in the correct position to make the play in the flat. Those types of instincts that are so important when they're going to be playing, whether it's cover one, cover three, cover two, whatever it is, whatever their cover defense is, super important. Um, so that was a big takeaway. I'm going to let I'm going to leave some. Meat on the bone for Josh. I can't, I can't take every single takeaway. We'll leave some meat on the bone for Josh. I know he's going to want to talk about Roshan Johnson, his guy. As he uh, should. Yeah, As exactly. He should. So, so Josh brought us onto the train for Roshan Johnson. And, and Josh said, I, I got on the train early for Darnell Wright or something like that earlier. I want to correct the record. Josh was the conductor of the train for, for Darnell, right? <laughs> like straight up, we're talking Paris Johnson. We're talking Broderick Jones. And Josh is like, yeah, I don't know. It might be Darnell, right? And then all of a sudden, everybody's talking about Darnell, right? So I'll let him talk about some other guys. <laughs> yeah, J- Josh, I would say the same thing hmm. for what you're saying there for was probably on this show for me with Roshan Johnson. Because oh, yeah. back, in, back in January when we were kind of discussing the initial guys that might come out. I was like, if Dave Montgomery goes, you need to get somebody that can do what he 
gave the Bears, right? Like somebody that is good in terms of pass catching, someone that can pass block because we saw, we know what the limitations were of Khalil Herbert. And every time you go back to him, like it's very hard to stand out when you have Bijan Robinson ahead of you. But every time he was on the field, you're just like, and I think that what kind of sums it up perfectly. I remember this is probably around February time. And it was after I just started watching Roshan and I just tweeted out uh, a video of Roshan and basically like, this is the running back that the Bears need to take. And the amount of people commenting underneath it is like, the Bears shouldn't go and get Bijan Robinson. I'm like, that's not Bijan Robinson. <laughs> it was so funny. But yeah, I'm all there with you. I think I was one of the happiest people when I saw that tweet that uh, he was uh, the Bears pick. So Look, obviously you were you were a big fan. We spoke about this over kind of draft, but also did you like what you heard from him? Like one of the things I liked was the fact that he says he hates when there's no pads on. I love that because that those are the type of running backs you want. Someone that wants to kind of hurt defenders when they're trying to tackle them. Yeah, I mean, I, I like everything about Roshan Johnson. I think I might as well just be at Hallis Hall where everyone just apparently is building an altar to Roshan Johnson because he's going to win the Nobel Peace Prize because he, you know, he gets A's on the tests and he sweeps the sheds and he cleans up the water bottles. And uh, everyone loves the guy. No, I'm, I'm a huge fan. I think, uh, you know, I think Alex probably put it well. We were sitting in the, in the media room when they drafted him. And, you know, like you said, he's the Dave Montgomery replacement. And I think you get him with a thousand less carries in college than David had. He's got a lot fresher legs. Um, and I think there's something to be said about the Khalil Herbert pass protection. I know that Luke Getze is going to sit there and say, Hey, he's going to get running back one reps when OTAs start. I would not be surprised if Roshan Johnson is a starting running back come September. I think he's got that kind of yeah. skill set. I think they're, I think they're that high on him and I like Khalil Herbert, but I do think he's better as a change of pace home run hitting back and not your trot out first and second down back. Um, I don't think he can do everything as well as, as Dave Montgomery did or as Roshan Johnson can do. Um, so give it some time. I'm going to play my flag early in the Roshan Johnson is going to be your running back one come September. Uh, I do want to touch on the Tyree Stevenson thing because Alex and I are in lockstep. Yeah. On that. I, I thought he was incredibly impressive. Um, I will say with I, I'm interested to see OTAs in a couple weeks, how the zone stuff looks when they're not just running curls and slants and, and things that he knows that basic routes are coming when they start running. Uh, I guess an assumed real passing attack. The Bears didn't have one last year. We're assuming it's going to be one this year. So let's go with that plan uh, that they're <laughs> going to have a real passing attack and we'll see how, how he does. But I, I thought the physicality, the length, the man coverage ability, I mean, just Tyler Scott, I know he needs to get better as a route runner, but a guy with four, two, nine speed to just be able to understand, okay, that guy's got Olympic speed. How do I stop him? Okay. If I put my hands on him here, it's going to gum him up here. I need to be here. Um, I think he's really impressive. I understand why they traded up to get him. Jervon Dexter, I'm not going to kill the kid, right? I think he's got a high ceiling. He's got a lot of work to do. I know there are people tweeting at me like he's going to be the next Chris Jones this season. You just wait. Like, it, like it's going to go through the roof. It's like, hey, guys, if he's just a run-stopping rotational nose, that's still very valuable because the Bears couldn't stop the run at all last year. They were playing eight in the box, and that harms what they do in coverage, right? So if you can only play – seven in the box, six in the box at times, and you can mix up coverages in the back end, that's going to help. So uh, I'm huge on Zach Pickens. I thought the get-off was impressive. Uh, he's obviously got some more to do, but I think his explosion and his disruption is very obvious why they were like, okay, that guy's going to give you rotational three-tech reps. Dexter is going to take some time. They're already rebuilding the footwork. They're rebuilding the hands. It's a whole thing. 
don't be surprised if he's only a rotational nose. It's okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting when I I see the same thing. There's the people will they'll put up like one or two clips. They'll look at it and there'll always be a good clip right. of <laughs> what of what a guy does, and they're like. This is what he does. This is what Chris Jones did. They have the same type body type. I'm like, okay. let's let's cool it. Not every <laughs> single player that the Bears are going to draft is going to be an All Pro, right? right? But, but but yeah, Brandon, that part. Well, yeah. For, for what it's worth, Ryan Poles compared uh, Jervon Dexter not to not to Chris Jones, but to Dontari Poe. So that was the comp that he used. Yeah. So yeah. maybe anyone... change those expectations. I won't be surprised if both of these guys are rotational guys. There's yeah, a good yeah. chance neither are yeah. starting week one. They are no, both coming in as rotational they'll both, dudes. They'll both be rotational dudes. Yeah, yeah exactly. Like, let's, yeah. let's 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 pray Pickens can be the guy that's giving most of the reps at three technique until the fourth quarter when Justin Jones does Justin Jones type stuff. <laughs> but yeah, let's support because dude, it, and it's funny when you look at Dexter's body, you like and DeForest Buckner comes to mind. You're like, oh my goodness. Oh, dude, if when you see could. when you see him when you see him in person, it's like, oh, I get it. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. You had to take them all in. You say, oh, yeah. oh, he's a big oh, human. Oh. He's, ma- he's massive. massive. But I think I think the thing is, and we kind of talked about this on the first night, that you kind of know the pickers is going to be the three technique because that's basically what he penetrating in the backfield was what he did in college. And, and I mean, it wasn't neither one had crazy numbers, but his numbers were significantly better than Dexter's. So, of course, you're going to have Dexter sitting there at nose and pray that Pickens can get in the backfield a hell of a lot more to try to get this engine running, as Matty Bufus has said in the past. Um, the, that's still the iffy part of the draft, if we're just going to be honest. And you mm-hmm. guys have talked about it already. You know what? Sometimes you're going to stretch it out a little bit. You know what I'm saying? The defensive ends were gone, and now you were trying to say, if I can't get a good defensive end, let me at least try to settle something when it comes to the three technique and a defensive tackle just in general. Um, outside of that, I don't really think Brian Post had any more questions. And I, I'll lean back on what Alex said. Dog, you're not going to hit on all these players. That's just a lot. Nah. All yeah. right, you're like that's just if they hit. Look, if they if they get sixty to seventy percent of these guys that are, are can really help the team, he knocked it out of the park. And I mean, if the, I think the thing too, let's take the tackles out again. The defensive yeah. tackles, not that, not that yeah. right tackle. Um, if you really look at it, they did a lot on value. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like that's the thing that really sticks out to you. Where it was, it, it was a lot of. And I'll say this to a degree, Alex. I do think they still needed a receiver and a running back because you're losing David Montgomery and you needed a guy that perhaps you think can be that jack of all trades that David Montgomery can be, even though he doesn't have explosive speed. Right. And then the best part about the Tyler Scott situation is that they drafted. I mean, they traded for DJ Moore a couple months ago. And as the Bears, Bears fans, if they would have tra- drafted any receiver in the second round or if they got another pick in the first, the amount of pressure we would have put on that kid to be the man. He better come in here and help Justin <laughs> right away. Where now with Scott, you're like, hey, little one-trick pony, just need you to go do that one trick. And it opens up everything. And that's where, I mean, I, I love it. The Stevenson's pick, and I know we haven't talked about it here and we kind of we discussed a little bit. Hey, if Jalen Johnson isn't long for the Bears, maybe you had that guy. You know what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. it, it it made this draft when you look at Darnell Wright, who I wanted a left tackle, but I thought Darnell Wright. And this is this is first. This is Josh's stuff. I'm not trying to jump in front of you. <laughs> like Darnell Wright and and, and, and um, Roshan. What's the kid's name from Texas? 
Roshan Johnson. Johnson. Roshan Johnson. These are these are Josh's babies. <laughs> all right, like they are just like any USC and, person. And, and Pickens. And Pickens. And Pickens. These are his. These are his. All right. Um, <laughs> but when you watch the tape on right, it was different from those other tackles. You know what yeah. I'm saying? It, the amount of force that the amount of not get off of, and I'm talking about the defensive player. Um, Paris Johnson was the guy I initially wanted because I wanted the left. He wasn't as strong as Darnell Wright was, you know. I, and I think also, let me put this: up there. I I hope and pray that Braxton Jones is the guy that Ryan Poles and Ian Cunningham hope he is. Because if he's that, and we're we're set at left, then all my worries about all right, you guys giving him too much run as a rookie and putting Justin in danger will be settled because Justin was injured but didn't doesn't have a significant injury which hindered him this season. And you got Braxton Auto's reps. And if you believe the athleticism now, if he can anchor better, he can be that guy. And you got Darnell Wright to book in with a much better pedigree. And I want to give Braxton his pops because you're going from a small school with no probably real nutrition. You know that the weight room is nothing compared to a SEC school or a Big Ten school or Pac-12. It's nothing like they're not, he's not getting that. You know, did, did mm-hmm. anybody watch during the combine when they showed you that Georgia has like three restaurants in the <laughs> like they, with like Nolan Smith was talking about the lobster and the steaks mm-hmm. that they're eating. They're not yeah. doing that at Southern Utah. You know what I'm saying? I'm probably getting PB and J's up in that joint. <laughs> like, so I'm, I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's, he's taking such a leap from where yeah. he was to being a guy who he didn't know he's going to be a starter, let alone the left tackle. So I, I hope he can be that guy. So that was, that was my fear. And man, you got to get a tackle. You, you want him to be a left. And, I believe it was mentioned already on here. Um, I don't know if it was Seth that said it, but when you're when you're sitting there and you're thinking about a situation where Peter Skaronsky was gonna kick get kicked in the guard, and just the oh we could draft this guy. I think it was the Bergeron comment. Bergeron, oh, we yep, could yeah. draft this guy. We could draft this guy, and if he fails, that means we don't want him. And Josh and I was having a discussion about the Northwestern DT uh, coming up from like Starbucks. And yeah. Josh said something and hit it on the head. He was like, dude, it's boom and bust. And I was like, that's how I feel. Because you're already mm-hmm. talking about he needs more weight. He couldn't put – if he comes back next year, we're going to have him at three. Why the hell wasn't he at the three technique this – I don't right. want it. This, I don't, oh, if, if he this, comes back to school, he'll be the three tech. What? Like, what are you talking right? about? Why, why didn't so, he just play that? Yeah. Exactly. So that means get him off the draft board. Let's not fall for the combine. Okie doke. All right, and Ryan also, no, no one, no one, no one fell for the combine. Okay, right? We him. we fell for it, but NFL teams knew he was going <laughs> to test out of the roof. They're like, this guy has no production. He's a freak athlete. He's going to run and jump out of the gym, and he still went in the fourth round because NFL teams were like, yeah, that checks out. Yeah, <laughs> we should also mention. I brought up Paris Johnson. Kenneth brought up Paris Johnson as like the Bears getting a left tackle. They didn't have the opportunity to get Paris Johnson. He was off the yeah. board. You know, the, the Cardinals made a move. They moved up to go get Paris Johnson. The Bears were not going to do that. The Bears were not moving up in this draft because, like we were mentioning, they needed such an influx of talent. They needed picks. They needed more bites at the apple. So, like, Paris Johnson could have been their guy. And I mean, I think Darnell Wright was always their guy. I should say he that. Was. I believe he Darnell was. Wright was always their guy. But it's he not was. like Paris johnson ever really entered the equation because he was not on the board when the bears were picking i will say i just want to touch on the tyler scott thing before we move on i think another thing to think about when alex talks about they didn't need technically to draft a running back or receiver he's not wrong but like the draft is not just for 2023 it's for 24 25 and by getting tyler scott they have flexibility and leverage with chase claypool and darnell mooney to say two one or both of them 
hey, if you want more money or you're not, you're not, we got a guy, right? They got a wide receiver three for 2024 if Chase Claypool, Darnell Mooney do not come back. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Same as well, with Khalil Herbert. Yeah. Yep. yep. Exactly. Like you, you look, and in terms of the wide receiver, like you hear them talk about Darnell Mooney that he could be back for training camp. And that always gets me a little bit worried because then it hits the first day of training camp. And if that player is not out there, if you if you were coming back with the same group as last year, where it's Darnell Mooney and Chase Claypool, suddenly you're like, uh-oh. damn, <laughs> yeah. So, but now what you've done is you've covered yourself with DJ Moore. You've drafted a guy that look. When we were going through this, we did I think it was like a week before the show or the week before the draft. We we're doing kind of our draft gems. We picked two offensive players each and two defensive players. And one of my offensive players was Tyler Scott, just because I thought he fit a kind of skill set that matches well with Justin, right? Mm -hmm. Justin likes to throw the deep ball. The While we had guys that had speed, you didn't have a lot of guys that could track the deep ball. And that's something that Tyler has been able to do throughout his collegiate career. And I think that's what was one of the important ones. And to go back to what you said, Kenneth, as well, about kind of, the left tackle with Braxton Jones. I've always brought it up that this is the first time he's going to have a proper off season. Like we always expect these guys as rookies to come in, but what we fail to remember is that they get no time off because they're practicing to basically run in the Olympics and then straight away have to come back into football shape. They get like two weeks off between OTAs and kind of training camp because really they're studying the entire time. They're playing more football in their rookie season than they would have done in college. So really, after that rookie season, the fact that he was able to play every single game at left tackle, this is the first time that he can actually work on his craft since being drafted by the Bears. So that's what I think is important for this year. But even if the worst-case scenario happens and he doesn't get better, you now have put yourself in position with two first-round picks next year with two or three potential left tackles that will be available next year. One of those guys we all expected to come out this year, the left tackle from Penn State. But it, you, you put yourself in a position that if it doesn't work out, you can draft another tackle next year and people will be like, yeah, that makes sense. You want to try and get your two bookends for, for Justin Fields. And again, I think that's what is very important to see kind of how they go about that. And one thing that you mentioned Kent, that I've, think was important obviously we've spoken at the guys towards the top of the draft you mentioned value and i think they were able to do that at the end of it as well and even if it's the the pedigree of a guy like noah sewell that was brought in like you can make a, a case that there's specific packages that he could be involved in and i always say the best way to grade a draft class is being like well how many contributors did you get like you're not going to get four or five starters if you get two starters, two other guys that rotate in, another guy that contributes in that first year, I think you're doing pretty good there. And then, like, I know I was, I was talking to, to you, Alex, you mentioned the, there was the interception by Terrell Smith in the first practice. We saw, like, clips of Kendall Williamson and, and Sewell making a play on the football. And while it's rookie camp, it's good to see the guys around the football. And that's where I like what, what Ken said is, even getting value at the end of the draft. And obviously a guy like Travis Bell that really nobody knows much about except for the Bears. They they liked the guy, but it's interesting to see that 
the different draft picks that they that they made you're like it makes sense if it's a profile that they're looking for this team if it's kind of like you said ken the value like i was i was surprised when i heard the name kind of no so i'm like oh i was surprised he was still on the board at that time i just assumed he was gone, gone <laughs> yeah. yeah so like things like that make sense and when you look back on it you're like yeah you can you can make a case to where these guys can get on the field and even if they even if they don't get it on defense or offense most of these guys have ability to play on special teams which is going to be an important element where at times the bears struggled last year and i think that's one of the kind of important kind of points here and look before we move on to kind of looking ahead for this team I guess, Josh, Alex, I'll, I'll kind of leave it up to you if there was any other points from rookie camp that kind of stuck out to you, whether it be, I know you can't really tell much in terms of plays on the field because it's rookie camp, they're all in shorts, or even if it was something that one of the coaches said that kind of you noted down as a kind of a, a key point from the weekend. I mean, for me, I think we've touched on everything. I would just say um, the, like someone, Ken brought up Jalen Johnson, right? I think the, yeah. the Terrell Smith, draft pick is what kind of puts like a like light bulbs going off my head that Jalen might not be here long he's term because like yeah because like Tyreek Smith is gonna he's gonna start whether Jalen's yeah. here or not he's gonna be on the other side but now they have another guy with a similar athletic build that they want similar coverage that can slide in there next year if Jalen wants more money and he's gonna want a lot of money right I think we all know he's gonna want cornerback one money he's not taking yeah yeah absolutely and look I guess to, to move it on, we're going to be seeing kind of vet mini camps, OTAs all coming kind of thick and fast. So I guess be, before we move to the, to the last point of the show here, is there any battles now that after seeing most of these guys that are coming, look, there might be one or two vets that get signed. I think everybody expects at some point an Ed Rusher will be brought in. Between now and let's say the first week or two of training camp, and I'll leave this up to everybody. Um, is there a particular battle that you're going to be paying close attention to this summer as we get closer to kind of the important weeks of training camp when we get closer to those games? Uh, absolutely. And I'm starting in the middle of the offensive line. We've talked a lot about the offensive line. How about center? You know, the Bears are asking Cody Whitehair to play a position he hasn't played since 2020. Uh, Kenneth loves to talk about the exchange. If you listen to the Under Center <laughs> podcast, you know we're talking about the Cody, the Cody Whitehair Center experience. <clears throat> what does that look like three years later? Um, does Lucas Patrick have anything in the tank? Uh, because no. they brought him no. in to be a center. We didn't get to really watch him play center. We watched him play seven snaps of center or something like that in the regular saw, season. Saw, saw nothing. <laughs> I got that. I got that. I got, I got that. <laughs> Anyways, to me, that's a big question mark, you know, uh, between both of those guys. Mm -hmm. And is one of them going to is one of them going to be the guy or is that going to be a hole on this team? And is that where they are signing somebody halfway through, you know, like in the middle of July? Are they going to bring in a center? Are they going to be hoping the Bucks cut Ryan Jansen or something, you know, uh, to get him to get him on board? So I for mm -hmm. sure. We'll be watching that. And also Tevin Jenkins at left guard. I have no reason to believe that Tevin Jenkins. Oh, sorry, Kenneth. <laughs> I'll be very brief then. Uh, I have no reason to believe that Tevin Jenkins will not be able to switch sides and be productive because, I mean, what he did moving from right tackle to right guard 
and playing that at a high position in like four days or whatever they gave him mm-hmm. was incredible like truly truly remarkable so i i think he can be he's so it's not like that switching in the mirror type deal should be that hard uh because he's playing on the left I'm watching center. I'm watching the car. We're all dropping out. Kenneth, take it away from here because we're all dropping out, buddy. You know, I would say my my thing with the Tevin Jenkins thing, it's not the battle with another player. It's the battle with Ryan Poles and Tevin Jenkins. That I just got to see how you're going to do them this year, Ryan. Right? Because it's like you the jerk, the jerk move was on. It's like I don't know who Tevin Jenkins did or what he did to, but there was something. Maybe it was some immaturity that I don't know about. But the fact that he was getting platooned and he was physically your best offensive lineman baffled me last season, right? And I, I know he's been injury prone. That's the only true knock from someone outside of Alice Hall that I can say because I'm not in Alice Hall to know he's doing things that frustrate the front office and the coaching staff. But I need you to leave him alone if he's just healthy. Let him be there and let the young man cook because now you, there's a chance you could have two studs on your offensive line. And I wanted it to piggyback on a piggyback of a piggyback, Siren, on the Braxton Jones situation that you had spoke about so eloquently. Another thing is this, that anybody that's played sports and you're trying to add strength and muscle, you can't do it during the season. That's an off-season thing. So with Braxton Jones, if anchoring is his true issue, which we know has been an issue, he can't put on that weight during the year playing and practicing. He he has to go into an off-season with a program to add a sufficient amount of strength so that he can anchor better next year. Again, this is me capping for Braxton Jones. So this show is going off the rails right now. (laughs) Um, My last one, and let me steal something from Josh since Alex got me. My last one is who's going to be the fourth receiver, because you know damn well Tyler Scott has a is penciled in somewhere in there, and it's like, yo, so, all right, so, Equiminius, we know you can block your ass off, so you probably will make the team, right? Because we love some blocking. And I'm not dissing blocking. I'm just pointing it out. But, like, who's going to be the guy? Because they're going to – he's Ryan Post is going to try to prove his point in drafting Chase Claypool, right? Like, he's not just going to be like, it's over. He wants to show that – giving up that that first pick in the second round was validated. So he's going to put Claypool out there. So we know he's going to get ticked. If Mooney is healthy and at the start of the season, he's going to get ticked. And DJ Moore, it's his room. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I want to know who's going to be the fourth guy and get most of those reps when it comes to the receiver room. It's gonna be it's gonna be Tyler Scott. The the skill set is the skill set is just different, right? I think the skill set complements everyone well. I mean, unless like the route running turns out to be a catastrophe, like it was with Bayless Jones, which I mean, all accounts is it's not. So that's good. So I think Tyler Scott's gonna have the leg up there. Uh, and any other one? I mean, I'm gonna watch the three tech battle once we get to training camp, just because I'm pretty high on Zach Pickens and not very high on Justin Jones. And I think there's, I mean, there's maybe a world where it's best for the Bears if. Pickens wins that job and they have the option to make Justin Jones like a hybrid edge three tech one tech kind of move him around kind of deal um, especially if they don't bring in Yannick Ngakwe or Frank Clark or you know I don't know someone said they trade for Chase Young they're not gonna trade for Chase Young we forget that um, so we get that out of here uh, so I'll watch that um, and then obviously I already said the running backs right I think the running back room is going to be cutthroat Deonta Foreman don't sleep on that guy um, so I, I'm, I'm interested in that and then I'm 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 percolating on a Noah Sewell starting Sam linebacker over Jack Sanborn take. So am I. I yeah. it, was the first, <laughs> yeah. it was the first thing yeah. when I saw him get drafted. I'm like, ooh, yeah. 
that's interesting. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's gonna yeah. that's gonna be an interesting battle. Seth, exactly. uh, same same question to you. I know you were kind of talking about the the Sewell and Sambor. We were talking about this maybe a couple of days ago. Is there any other kind of position group there that you're kind of be looking at over well, kind of the course of the summer? Yeah, well, I, for sure, I I think it's gonna be interesting how they decide to deploy Sewell because in watching this tape you know, in certain, like, what do you want to call it? NASCAR packages. You could probably throw him in for a rep or two as a, as a D end. And he's going to cause some, some issues. That dude is strong. Uh, and, and he's got some fun pass rush moves. If he was like three inches taller, man, he'd be, be a fun, fun guy to just stick there full time. But you know, a size definitely is going to cause some issues. Um, so that'll be an interesting battle to see where they put him. Will he push for the sand position? You know, I'm high on sandboard and have been since, uh, you know, before he was a UDFA. Um, and then another UDFA, um, a guy that I'm interested to see how far he can push as D'Anthony Jones, that defensive end group is gonna, I mean, that whole D line is kind of built to rotate. They're not built to have one superstar. And when you give up, like, what was it? Like third, 20, something 30 rushing touchdowns, however many it was some ridiculous amount, you know, you need guys that are going to be able to rotate, stay fresh and attack nonstop. So it's going to be interesting to see um, all of those defensive line battles. Um, You know, we obviously right now think X, Y, and Z are going to be, you know, starters, but that can change depending on how they're playing. But I'm interested to see how D'Anthony Jones does. Um, He's a guy who I liked during the, the, Draft process, draft process as a UDFA guy. Anybody who can come in and over the course of like two years have nine forced fumbles and a, a bunch of tackles for loss and 15 sacks over two years, whether or not he's you know playing at a you know elite defensive school or whatever you want to you know say to that, he's got tools that I really like. He has the motor and he has you know that ability to create turnovers and cause some havoc. And I think he could be another one of those potential UDFA guys who makes the roster not saying he's going to roll out there and be, you know, Henry Melton or or somebody who just comes in and rolls out 12 sacks or something crazy or Mark Anderson or any of those types of guys who just come in and rock, but he's a guy who could come in and make a push and he seems to have the, the energy and the effort. So I'm excited to see when the pads come on, how he does, because he offers some, some upside in my eyes. It's always interesting when some of these triad guys come in and, and they end up making the roster over some of these kind of UDFAs that were more priority signings at the time. And I like DeAnthony Jones. Just I was watching a little bit of him over the last couple of days, and he just seems like he's always looking for the football, which we don't see that much in terms of some of the edge rushers kind of coming out of college. And you hear some of the guys say that some of the, the key kind of change when they move to the NFL is coaches are always saying attack the football rather than just trying to get pressures the whole time is always make a play on the football Seth, I also like what you said there because the Anthony Jones is going to be on the show tomorrow. So that is, that is a, a good little, a little uh, bit of a tease. Yeah. I, I, I like what you did there, but yeah. It, Yo, nice, nice get fellas. Way to nice. go. Yes. <laughs> uh, so it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he doesn't even some of the other kind of edge rushers that are a little bit further down. Has any of these guys, developed over the last couple of months because by god do they need it do they need someone that can that can create more than three sacks in an entire season <laughs> like it's we're only what 12 to 15 months 
after when we saw Robert Quinn break records to then not have a guy that can really get anything. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how they go. But look, last topic of, of the day is obviously there was loads of rumors with the Bears, the Chiefs playing in Germany, not playing in Germany. Obviously didn't happen. Seems like the Chiefs were the ones that kind of asked for that not to happen for whatever reason. Dolphins versus Chiefs now. So two points, and I'll go through each of you here, is one, did you want the Bears to be playing a game internationally this year? And two, at this point, do you even care when these games are played? Because we already know the opponents months in advance. And personally, if it was me, I would rather than just release the whole thing so then I can actually book when I'm actually going to be able to come over and, and be able to watch these games. So I guess first thing is, would you have wanted the Bears to be playing the Chiefs in, in Munich, in Germany, or in Frankfurt? And then the second is, do you actually care with the schedule getting released tomorrow when the Bears play certain teams? Obviously, there's things like Thanksgiving and stuff like that that's a little bit different. But other than that, do you, do you guys actually care? And look, Alex, I'll come to you first. To start completely indifferent as to whether yeah. they play in Frankfurt or not, International games are fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can be a pain to cover. They're cool and we get good traffic and it's like a nice story. But again, like in the end, don't care. Don't care either way. Uh, apologies to Ant. I know he's not here with he's us. So I know mad. Ant was so, so stoked. <laughs> I actually brought I brought a glass from a brewery in Scandinavia in his honor. It's from Norway. It's a Norwegian brewery, not Swedish, but whatever. Uh, Ant, wherever you're at. Sorry, they're not playing in Germany, bud. Um, in terms of the schedule as a whole, here's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at where's that bye week? Mm-hmm. Are they going to have the super late bye week again? Are they going to have a super early bye week? Are they going to be in the middle? Are they going to get any more pseudo bye weeks? Uh, like where they play a Thursday game and then a Monday game? Because we know that was super duper important to their self-scouting process last year. What you know? Are there any little idiosyncrasies are there any little nuances that i'm looking for and then like you mentioned you know um thanksgiving is a big one Mm -hmm. am i going to be working covering a football (laughs) game on thanksgiving or do i get to go to practice and then go to dinner he's so Um, he's so selfish he's so selfish yeah exactly that (laughs) that's to cover the team last week i let him i let him go to his his (laughs) in-laws what (laughs) during thanksgiving did i yeah you're right Exactly. <laughs> Precisely. I thought you meant last week, last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah, last last year. Year, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. La- exactly. That's what I'm worried about. That's what I'm worried about. I know. The other, wor- <laughs> the other worrying thing this year is that I know one or two of the games have been announced, but the fact that the NFL wants to have games on Christmas, uh, that's a uh, Jewish. Yeah. Jewish doesn't matter. Oh, you're, you're okay. <laughs> Same. Yeah, exactly. That, that's right, and I are that. members of the tribe, so yeah. <laughs> all good. Yeah, give me some Chinese food and some Bears football. We'll make it work. There mm-hmm. you go. I'm, I'm fine with it because it works out here. I get all my Christmas stuff done, and by the time the oh, games yeah, are on, fine. everything's done. Yeah, so, it's, so it's well, perfect. You, but You don't need you, to complain. Yeah, Josh, same thing for you, though. Do you, do you mind that it's not going to be happening internationally this year? And also, do you really mind about kind of who the Bears play or when. I know some people are like, oh, I don't want hard, like difficult games, like back to back to back. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, you have to play all these teams anyway. Does it 
do you mind personally of when they actually play some of these teams? Uh, yeah, first part. Um, I mean, I'm a little bummed just as selfishly. I would have loved to cover a game in Germany. That'd been, that'd been sick, but, uh, maybe, maybe next year. And the beer. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have been, it would have been all, it would have been all great. I mean, it's a complete logistical nightmare, but it'd been fun. Uh, yeah. maybe we'll do one in the future. Um, as the second question, I, I, I'm interested just because I think as a writer, narratives are very important and how we perceive the schedule matters to how we view the team. So if it comes out tomorrow and like four of their first six games are against like the commanders and the Cardinals, it's like, wow, they better get off to a hot start. Yeah. Right. Or, or like if it's reversed, so it like, it's going to inform how we view the team at least to start the season. Remember last year we talked a lot about like, well, they got to get off. They got to win the middle stretch because at the end it's Packers, Eagles, Bills, right. It's going to be this. And then they lost 10 or it didn't even matter. Right. So in the long stretch, it probably doesn't matter, but just for me, like I like to know what I'm looking at and how I'm going to at least initially perceive their, their road. Right. Like I, I just, I'm interested in that. I don't really care. I don't care how it, where, how it happens. I just, I'm interested in knowing just cause it, it informs how I, how I analyze yeah and and same for for you ken do you really do you mind like personally for me i i like when it's kind of quite even in terms of the strength of the schedule that it's kind of divided out a little bit i also like having some divisional games early on in the season get kind of some of them ramped up a little bit do you mind of when kind of the bears play some of these games or you're just like "Ah, they have to play them all anyway so it doesn't really matter you know, it's a, it's a bit of both because in some ways I like it if they go through a juggernaut because if mm-hmm. they finish like if they finish 500 or above through that juggernaut or let's just say it's a hard quarter, then it's like, yo, they may have something. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like I can remember like I can remember and this is going to age date me. I can remember the year the Bulls won 72 wins. And for anybody who doesn't know the the one of the reasons like the Bulls used to go on this West Coast trip and it was their longest road trip because. At that time, Wrangling Brothers used to take over the United Center, right? Yeah. And they, they would always, like, if they, for them, if they were just above 500 on this trip, it was a, basically a success because it was just an extended in that NBA trip. This just wasn't like a week out on the road, week and a half. Yeah. And I think they went like 13 and two or something. It was something big and just two losses or whatever. And it was like, oh, yeah, this this is different. They already had a ridiculous record at that point. But when they went on the West Coast and did it, so putting that to the bears if you can sit there and we can see like damn they're ahead of schedule you know what i'm saying and Mm -hmm. every football season is by itself an individual year because of the parody in the nfl but still it would let us know with one thing that i enjoy that ryan post has done is his patience and his discipline and that would tell us that they are probably even ahead of the schedule that he he that he had expected but i also want to say this siren um because being on the show makes me think about this in a different way um, because what the Bears, the last time the Bears played overseas was that three years ago against the Raiders. How, how many 20, 2019? Was, yeah, 2019. All right, so basically, Mac revenge game that wasn't that's right, right, right. Because then the Raiders went on a streak, um, yeah. right, and, uh, and then but anyway, <laughs> right. But to me, that talking to a Bears show based out of Ireland, it's like, man, it you flying across the pond where you could basically. Uh, get rail, get over, you know, and get rail over in Europe. It's like, yo, that's messed up. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Where and, and not just you, but uh, all of you guys could congregate because yeah, you could come over here. A couple of you guys could come over here uh, together, but it's not the same as all of the Bears' friends overseas being able to assemble in one spot. 
So that to me is where it's kind of messed up that the, that that didn't take place. Um, only thing that I would say that I'll be concerned when your team plays overseas, it's the amount of rest if they don't have a bye week coming along after doing it. That would probably be the only concern that I'd have. Um, well, they get to, they get to choose. They get to choose. Okay, so that would be that. That to be my my concern. Just stole everything that I said. Me and Josh just did football night <laughs> in Chicago at six o'clock. Um, so he jacked my stuff. <laughs> that's that, that's all right. Like for me, I I saw it on on two fronts. Where I saw it as a fan's perspective over here. Obviously, I would like them to be able to play here because it means I likely would get to go to more than just one game in in the year. But also, mm. I'm like. You're not losing a home game. You'd be playing against the Kansas City Chiefs, and I don't care what people say. You have a better chance of beating the Chiefs in Germany than you do in Arrowhead because at the yes. end of the day, you yes, the Bears would have to travel and they'd have to go through that, but so would the Kansas City Chiefs instead of them having the kind of ease of being in their home city. And I think that's where, in terms of the competitive advantage, I would have preferred the Bears to play against Kansas City. Now, if it was against a team that maybe you were like, the Bears should be able to beat them, I'm like, mm, it doesn't really matter in terms of that, and it would be more of a selfish thing that I want them to come over. But I do, I do get it. Like I, I see it from from both sides of the argument on, on it. It sucks for some people that really wanted to go and see it. I also see like other people that made some of the comments where they haven't got to go to Kansas city in a while to watch the bears play the Chiefs. So it's the, I guess it's the same there, but it's, I think this is the reason why I think these games, the international games, should be announced months before kind of the other ones, because it gets it all done. Everybody can then prepare for it and it helps everybody in terms of travel, like them announcing it now, it's still you're just a couple of months away from from the season. There's no reason they couldn't have done these before, and just be like, ask each of those home teams, okay, which game do you not want it to be, and have this done prior to the draft, and just and just have it done. But it's a, it's especially if they want to keep putting more and more games. I wouldn't be surprised if within the next year or two that the Bears do kind of play into in one of these international games. My biggest worry now is all the rumors were that the Dolphins were supposed to play the Chiefs in week one. So now if they've come and they've done it, I'm like, damn, does that mean the Bears are going to get the Chiefs at Arrowhead week one? That's going to be one of the interesting ones. But look, I just want to say thank you to each one of you for, for coming on the show. It's always a great time. Do you guys want to let people know? I know you guys do are doing so many stuff in terms of TV, but also for the podcast. Do you guys want to kind of let people know some of the stories that are coming out, some of your podcasts coming up and, and what you're going to be kind of focusing on over the next couple of days and weeks. Yeah. I mean, look, tomorrow schedule release, Alex and I will be hitting it very hard. Uh, many, many stories, uh, football in Chicago. Ken, I'll have a wrap up or a review of the schedule podcast on Friday. Alex will be at his lovely in-laws enjoying barbecue. So God bless him. Uh, and then yeah, Alex, Kansas city. I'll be in yeah, Kansas city. Yeah. Scouting it out for week one, I guess. And then Alex and I'll be, uh, <laughs> and Alex and I'll be uh, you know, back at it. Uh, OTAs in what, Alex? About ten days. Yep. Yep. Um. Yeah. What Josh said. Keep it with NBC Sports Chicago, both on the, the website, podcast, on the television channel. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Uh, 
obviously under center podcast. You can follow me at Alex Shapiro NBCS. And before I kick it to Kenneth, I'll just say thank you, Kieran and Seth for having us. Pleasure yes. as always, fellas. Always a blast. Kieran, I, I, I apologize for mispronouncing your name. I messed up. Dude, that dude, That's it happens cool. to me. It happens to me. It took I, it took I, me I, six months to figure I, out how to I, say I, it. So don't I, worry, I, man. I, I knew, but I, I knew I, I was like, I think I'm not hitting it right. All right. And I was like, I want to <laughs> ask, but I was like, I was like, I was like, it's I don't think that's it. It's Kieran. Kieran. Right, I, I have the Kieran. I have Kenneth. the cheat code because my wife has Irish roots. She's got Irish roots. Some of her great grandparents came from Ireland. So I've I've got that within the family. I got the cheat code. Kenneth, I, Kenneth, I slagged you enough the last time that we had you on the show because because that's you like me, I'm gonna you stabbed leave, me about I'm three times, but I know it's uh, all right. appreciate. <laughs> that's, listen, it's not fun if we can't bust them. We're not enjoying each other. Exactly. So that's just how it goes. Every Wednesday at five thirty p.m. Uh, if you can get wherever the Bears, Bulls, or White Sox play, you can watch us on NBC Sports Chicago. They they play the hell out of it. So just tune in to NBC Sports Chicago, <laughs> and you'll yeah. see these these two gentlemen and myself, Claire and Tony, running the podcast. Josh told you we have a show that's coming up that we're going to do Friday. We'll probably come out Friday night where we're talking about everything when it comes to the scheduling. Uh, we just appreciate everyone spending time with us and shows like you bringing us all on, too. Uh, we appreciate it. And, Great stuff. Look forward to the interview you guys are going to end up doing tomorrow and just keep up the great work. Yeah, thank you so much, guys. Look, it's been a pleasure having you on. Uh, yeah, look, follow these guys. They do some really good work over there on NBC Sports Chicago. So, look, thanks for thanks for joining, guys. Pleasure, guys. Thank Later. you. Cool. So I just wanted to wrap this up because we do have two shows tomorrow uh, at 3 p.m. Central Time. As we mentioned, we will be joined by DeAnthony Jones, the newest edge rusher for the Chicago Bears. He'll be joining us for about 20 minutes tomorrow. So anybody that's currently in the chat, make sure that you hit the notification so you don't miss that. So you can get your questions in for, for DeAnthony because he's a really good dude. He's He's come on. He's going to answer any questions that some of you guys have as well. Um, But it's been, he's going to be very, very good. He's really, he's a really good dude. I've been talking to him kind of offline as well. And it's been, he's been really, really forthcoming as well about his whole journey to to the NFL. And look, it takes a lot to be a trial player and to make that roster. Um, But then directly after the interview with DeAnthony Jones, we will have another stream going through the schedule. So 3 p.m. we will have DeAnthony Jones. Hopefully by the time we're done with that, the schedule will all be out so we can break it down, give our opinion on it. Some of the other lads will be joining and then Noel will be joining and might be able to come on. I'm not sure about some of the other lads, but we'll be giving our opinion on kind of what we think of the bear schedule. I know some of the other guys, I know. Ant was pretty hot today about, about uh, the Bears not going to Germany, but look, it is what it is. It was great to have the guys on today just to kind of get their opinion on it. Like Absolutely. I said, do like and subscribe. If you're listening to us over on Spotify, if you're listening to us over on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. Please do subscribe and come over onto YouTube and subscribe. The more of you, The more of you guys that comment, like, subscribe, it kind of helps us with the YouTube analytics and stuff. And look, it means more people can come to the show. It means we can get more of these type of shows for you guys, more of these interviews for you guys. Um, because I think it is going to be 
good to be able to see some of the insights of um of these players and coaches because that's what we're working on over the coming months so it's an exciting time as a bears fan we've gotten a lot better over the last couple last couple of weeks really and and months so it's one of those exciting off seasons where i think tomorrow when we do this kind of breakdown on kind of game by game we can actually look at it as more realistic on how we think the bears can do as well so look make sure that you stick with us make sure you do hit subscribe and do not forget to hit the notification bell because i think it is going to be really really important that you guys can come and we always say welcome DeAnthony Jones to the Bears fan base because it's going to be the first interview that he's done so make sure that you do join us make sure that you get in the chat get your questions in if you want to head over onto the stream and get a question in before the show we'll still see it and we'll put it to DeAnthony as well so look guys we really appreciate all of you guys joining the chat make sure that you join us tomorrow and then until next time all we can say is bear down Bear down.